Hey, good morning, my friends. Man, is it good to be with you? All of you at the 95th Street campus, so good to be with all of you. I love studying the Word of God with the people of the Compass Church, with journeying together to understand Him and His ways, feeling the momentum of love for Him growing in our hearts. Ah, so good. We're in a series where we've been studying in 1 Timothy 6 called The Hustle. You know, The Hustle, this thing called money and the pursuit of money and how do we do it God's way. To transition into our study today, I want to show you some dishware. Huh? Yes, the Griffin family eats on flaming red dishes all the time. And these dishes are very uh, meaningful to me. They remind me of the topic that we're talking about today. Every time I eat on these dishes, every day, I'm reminded of generosity. Here's how it all began. Uh, These dishes are Rachel Ray dishes. Some of you may recall that four years ago, Jewel had a Rachel Ray dishware giveaway. Yeah, you eat on them too? That's right. So my wife, I love her for so many reasons. One of them is that she's frugal. And I love her frugality. Jen, we needed new dishes. Ours are all chipped and cracked. And yet, Jen said, man, if we can get them without spending a dime, that's the way to go. And so Jen was collecting those stamps. Every 20 stamps, you got a piece of dishware. And uh, she was mapping it out. It was a three-month program that they had. And Towards the end, she had collected hundreds of these stamps, and she had said, it's going to work. I can tell that by the end, I'm going to have enough to have a whole set, and she was excited about it, as was I. But uh, maybe a few weeks from the end of this three-month program, Jen was at Jewel, in line with her groceries, and the lady in front of her asked the cashier, so when does this Rachel Ray dish thing end? And the cashier says, in two weeks. And the woman freaked out, no, you're kidding me, that's not, she's counting her stamps, that's not enough, I'm not going to get much. Do you ever hear the Holy Spirit speak in a moment like that? Suddenly my wife is just convicted that God's telling her to give away all her stamps. She reaches into her purse, takes out the envelope with hundreds of these stamps, and she says, ma'am, I have a little gift for you. These are yours, now you have plenty to get whatever you want. The woman started crying. Oh, you want to clap? A little clap for my bride, huh? The woman started crying. She was so moved by this act of generosity. Crying over dishes, don't get it. Maybe you do, but this woman was blown away. And my wife walked out of that store, not lamenting her loss, but feeling like a million bucks. Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive. And maybe you've felt that yourself. Now, some of you are confused. You're like, wait a minute, you said that she gave away all her stamps, and yet you also said that you eat on them. How, what, help me understand. All right, there's more to the story. You ready? Well, this was four years ago, before I was at the Compass Church. I was at my last church up in the northern suburbs, And I happened to be teaching on generosity at that time, and so I used my wife's story as an example in the sermon, and people clapped just like you did. And not only did they clap, but one lady that week sent us an envelope with 30 
of the jewel stamp. She had a little note. I was so inspired by your generosity that I wanted to do the same. And then the next day, we got another envelope with about 50 stamps in it. And then the next day, we got four envelopes. In told, we got over 2,000 jewel stamps. (laughs) Folks, we got over 100 dishes. I have boxes of these unopened still, which works out pretty well for us because you may know my son is reckless. And so Jake will, whoops, no problem. Open another box. You know, we're like, we're good to go. And that little experience of generosity to me paints a picture of what God intends his kingdom to be. An epidemic, you know, epidemic is a disease that spreads through a community. An epidemic of generosity, where Jesus is the original inspirer. If you look at the cross of Christ, what do you see? You see generosity. You see Jesus looking over a people he loves, saying, what can I give? What can I give? I will give it all. I'll give my life. And ever since then, his followers have been looking at the one who gave all, saying, what can I give? to show my gratitude for what you've done. And we give and, you know, we inspire each other with our generosity. One of the things I found out about these dishes is that uh, one of the ladies had told a friend, I was so moved by Jen's generosity. You know what I did? I mailed her my jewel stamps. And the friend said, that's a great idea. I'm going to do the same thing. And that's what happens in the church. We uh, get around generous people who are moved by Jesus' generosity. With, they demonstrate it. They inspire us to do likewise. And pretty soon we're caught up in a community marked by generosity. And that's what the church is. One little uh, caveat from this story. Uh, you may say, boy, that's kind of a weird story. You're saying that Jen is both frugal and generous. And uh, today's topic is the release of money. And you'd say, it sounds like someone who's frugal is not very good about releasing money. They're penny pinchers. They try to save anywhere they can. But yet, someone who's generous is good at releasing money. Can you be both frugal and generous? And the answer is, yes, you can. In fact, they go together if you have eyes to see. Christians are frugal so they can be generous. Frugality, generosity, beautifully combined in living Jesus' way. Now, let me remind you about the series. Uh, week one, we looked at the... Week one, well, I have no idea. What was week one? The spending of money. The spending of money. We, we realize that we are in a materialistic culture that says the human soul will be satisfied by buying more stuff. And we said, no. The Bible says that when we are rich in God, the human soul is satisfied. Materialism will never satisfy the soul. Week two was the pursuit of money. Earning money, you know, one of the dangers is that those who try to get rich fall into temptation and they, they sacrifice their integrity. They make decisions that are unethical. And we said, yes, we're going to try to maximize our earning potential without giving up virtue. Week three, last week, we looked at the danger of money. 
we, we remind, we're reminded that we're all rich. That by nature of where we live, compared to the rest of the world, we are a rich people. And wealth leads to arrogance and self-reliance. And we said, we can't do that. By God's grace, we must remain humble and desperately dependent on him, even though we're richly blessed. And now we come to this week, the release of money. And we're looking at two wonderful verses found in 1 Timothy, verse, uh, verse, 1 Timothy 6, verses 18 and 19. And so if you want to turn, uh, you can find it on page 1196 in the Bibles in the CPAC. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to share, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Oh, what a great verse. At its core, it's a call to generosity. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Command them to be generous. You know, the culture, the world we live in tends often to be very self-obsessed. Me and mine. And yet we as Christians are called to be others-centered. First and foremost, to be focused on God. Secondarily, to be focused on others. To have an others-selfless mindset. And you may ask, okay, am I generous? That's a good question. Are you generous? You know, some of us look and we say, yeah, you know, I, you know those guys on the corner who give you a lollipop if you give them a quarter? Yeah, I do that. Drop it in the fireman's boot. Isn't that generous of me? It is. But is that generous at God's standard? Folks, what is God's standard of generosity? Well, the Bible is clear and it is challenging. The biblical benchmark for generosity is called the tithe. The tithe is an old Hebrew word that means the tenth. Ten percent has always been, going back thousands of years, to the days of Abraham, God's people tithe. To the days of Moses and the foundation of Israel, God's people tithe. To the days of Jesus Christ, he taught tithing. This giving to God as worship and gratitude, 10% of what we make has been the biblical benchmark. And this church is largely funded by courageous followers who do just that, who have learned to simplify their lifestyle, to live on 90% so that they can give 10%. Uh, just last weekend, I was talking with a couple out in the lobby and uh, atrium. And uh, as we were talking, they said, Jeff, we got to tell you a story. They said, this, God's done a beautiful thing in our lives, and his faithfulness is on display in a way that we think will encourage you. They said, we've been a part of the Compass Church for a long time, and we've always given at the 5% mark. We just thought, this is really generous, they said. We felt great about it. Until we started seeing more and more scripture pointing to the 10% mark as what God is looking for. And the conviction, the, the, the sense that we got to change our ways was growing in us until they said a year ago 
we said, that's it. We don't know exactly how we're going to do it. We, we have five kids we're trying to get through college. They said, but we're going to tighten the belt and we're going to simplify our life. And we're increasing our giving from 5 to 10%. That's a 5% increase. They said, do, the guy said, do you know that a few months back, unexpectedly, I got a 15% increase in my salary at work. God blessed my sacrifice threefold. I increased by 5%. He gave me 15%. Now, I asked him if I could share that story, and I do so cautiously because there are some pastors out there that would uh, say, listen, yeah, that's what will happen. You give 5% more, and God will bless you salary-wise in three months. With a, you know. God may. He may not. But I know this. God honors those who honor him in this regard. Uh, There's a passage in Malachi that God says, test me in this. See if I won't bless you for your courageous obedience in my plan. And this family is just an example of, of another way God has done that. And all of us tithers would bear witness that God's goodness, either monetarily or relationally or with other opportunity, God has been true to that promise. And so I throw out to you the challenging but powerful benchmark of generosity called the diet. One other thing here. The passage says willing to share. It seems that what Paul is referring here is a compassion for people. You know, those around us sometimes are really in a bad way. And sharing is the giving to those who are in need. And that takes place in our church in many ways. But one of the ways is our benevolence fund. You may be aware that you can give by writing on your check in the memo section, benevolence, or grab an envelope in the seat back and put benevolence. And just so you're aware, last year, 2016, we just finished the calendar year, our church gave nearly $300,000 in benevolence. Folks, I have the privilege of getting thank you emails and people thanking me for the ministry that happens through benevolence. They're blown away. These people say, I have a roof over my head because of the generous people of the Compass Church. I am able to feed my kids because of the generosity of the people of the Compass Church. We've been able to go to counseling. We've been able to pay our electric bill. Folks, uh, how it works is all of that 300000 goes to a team of volunteers who oversee need and distribution to get to the right people who really need help. And all of it goes to people in need. The majority of it goes to people in need in our church. The rest of it goes to people in need in our community. But it all goes to people in need. And it is inspiring to see the compassion and generosity of the benevolence ministry uh, in the Compass Church. Yeah, we'll celebrate that. Some of you are just shaking your heads, not outwardly, but inwardly saying, really, people give thousands of dollars. They voluntarily simplify their lifestyle in order to be radically generous at that level? Why? Good question. Why? Let's talk about the why of generosity, shall we? I find five whys, five reasons why in this text, and I'm going to highlight them. 
Five reasons that if you're already generous, reconnection with these principles will inspire you to continue. If, if you're not very generous yet, these principles may get a hold of your heart and lead you down a different path in the days ahead. Here's the first. Command. The passage starts by saying, command them. One of the reasons most of us give is because the Lord commands it. Commanding, ooh, that's a, that's a fiery word. Uh, that's a, that word causes us to bristle. Do you believe me? Here, if you don't believe me, husbands, this afternoon, tell your wife, I command you, make me a sandwich. You'll get some bristling going on there. We don't like people telling us what to do, and yet at the core of Christianity is the lordship of Christ, which means Jesus is our leader, our boss, our king. And we do what we do because he told us to do it. And this path of generosity at its core is a command. And when the one who died to save your soul speaks, we say, just say the word. And I'll obey. I'll do it. I'll do it. Here's a question for you. There are so many commands that Jesus gives as to how we should live. Is the command regarding our finances, is that a hard one or an easy command? And I would argue it's both hard and easy. Hard to start, easy to continue. Allow me to explain. I I think that this is a lot of times the hardest area for people to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. A lot of Christians say, I'll start obeying you in every area, Jesus, but don't touch my money. My money is my money, and I want it, I earned it, I'm going to keep it all. And a lot of times that's the last domino to fall, if you will. And when people start to obey the Lord with their finances, all of a sudden that marks a monumentous level of surrender to his lordship. And it can be very hard to simplify your lifestyle and to change things so that you can be generous at the tithe level. Now, I've also found that in my life, this is the easiest of God's commands to to do. And here's why. Because Jen and I have been tithing since the day we got married. Uh, we just did it. We, we, we looked at 90% and we said somehow we're going to have to live on 90% so we can give 10. And I do it automatically. My bank shoots off a check to the Compass Church every week without me ever having to lift a pen. And as a result, when I get to the end of the year and I say, how did I do at following Jesus? I, I, I see failure everywhere else. <laughs> just so you know, I look at like, were you a loving, selfless husband? Not so much, you know, some, but not enough. Uh, Were you a bold evangelist telling people about Christ? Uh, Some, not enough. Were you a faithful steward of your body, watching out to not overeat? No, you know, and I, (laughs) I struggle. And then I say, what about generous? Oh, yeah, got that one. The Lord's made it clear what the generous level is, and I just did it and do it and always will do it. And it's nice to get one thing right. So, it's a command. Let's move to the next slide. It's also a deed. The pastor says, command them to be good, that is, rich in good deeds. A deed is something that we do that accomplishes something. In fact, the dictionary has accomplishments as one of the words. And a good deed is a 
important or a significant accomplishment. Every one of us wants to see our lives matter. We want to accomplish good deeds. And in this context, it's clear that they're talking about those of you with money, you can accomplish good deeds through giving of your money. Uh, Folks, money is not good or bad. Money can be used for bad or used for good. And one of the things that gets us excited is to see the good deeds that can be accomplished through generosity. We want our lives to matter. And one of the things we discover is that through this earning, we can accomplish much good. You know, as, as you look at the church, I don't know if you've thought about this. If you are a giver at the church, you are accomplishing immense good deeds for the kingdom of God. So much good stuff is going on here. Uh, And all of it, all the ministry at the Compass Church is funded by a foundation of generosity of the people of a church. None of it would happen without the giving that's going on here. And so if you give, you're a part of those wins. When I say those wins, God's doing something here, folks. Just to give you a window, last weekend was our highest attendance ever in the history of the church. Outside of Good Friday and Easter, we've never gone above 4,000. Last weekend, we were above 4,000 people in total attendance. And that is, yeah, well, praise God for that one too. That's a sign that we are a massive army of ambassadors of Jesus, serving him, representing him. And as a result, all over at all four campuses and all the communities, Every week, people are coming to Christ. Every week, Christians are coming alive to the love of the Lord and a passion for him. I have a window to see the fruit, maybe more than you, and I will tell you, even though I only see a part of it, I am inspired. In children's ministries and in student ministries and in uh, compassion groups and small groups and mid-sized groups and Here, near, and far, we give almost a million dollars every year to missions. The kingdom of God is rolling in our church, and you are a part of it if you're a financial investor. Feel the exhilaration of seeing your dollars converted into life change. All right, next slide. We give because it's a command. We give because it's an opportunity to do good deeds. We give because it's a treasure. It says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in the age to come, in heaven. When we get to heaven, the Bible is clear that there's a principle called rewards. And exactly what our reward looks like, we can't be certain. But we can be certain that we will be rewarded. All sacrificial, faithful living for Jesus will be rewarded in heaven. And this verse makes it clear that all financial faithfulness will be rewarded in heaven. That when we get to heaven, there will be a grand ceremony where our level of generosity on planet earth is revealed and rewarded. And I long for all of us to be doing the happy dance on that day. And just to say, yes, here, be clear on this, though. You think, well, I bet it's the rich people who will be rewarded the most. No, 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 no. Jesus pointed to the poor widow who was just putting a couple pennies in. And he said, she is the greatest in the kingdom 
It's the proportion of what God's entrusted to us. That level of generosity is what's rewarded. And don't be surprised when some of the poorest are rewarded the most for their great generosity in proportion, at least, to what they were given. And so, reward is another reason. Next slide. Foundation. Jesus, uh, or, or Paul, shifts the analogy here to construction, probably prompted by Jesus' teaching on foundation. A foundation, a firm foundation for a building, a house. Do you remember when Jesus taught on this? Jesus said that those who obey me and those who disobey me, you can tell the difference because it's a different foundation. He goes, if you don't obey me, you're like a house being built on the sand. The storm comes and kaboom, the house falls. But those who obey me, Jesus said, are people whose house, their life, is built on the foundation of rock. The storm comes Luke 6, Jesus says, the house is well built. Stand strong. And folks, those who obey Jesus in everything, your house is well built. There's a stability to your life, your family, as a result of that obedience. And and I've seen it. Maybe you've seen it. When there are people who, who... disregard the ways of Jesus. You're like, oh, your house is so maybe impressive, but it could all collapse so easily. And you meet other individuals and families where they just say, hey, if Jesus says it, we do it. We've been tithing for 40 years. We always will. In everything, we just obey. And you say, wow. There's just a solid stability that you see in that person or in that family. And God wants us to enjoy that. Both, you know, that that stability will be seen in heaven, the age to come. But Jesus, in his teaching on the foundation, makes it clear that it's enjoyed in this life as well. All right, next slide. It says, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I love that. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? People, do you have life? no. Do you have the life that is truly living? Jesus promises an abundant life to his followers. And the connection here is that if you're filled with self-centeredness and you lack generosity, you're missing out on true living. The path of generosity is the path into true life. It's counterintuitive. You know, you would assume if I give I lose, and I'll be miserable as a result. No, there's something about it. But givers are gainers. You know, my wife, when she gave the lady all those stamps, did she walk out of Jewel just, I'm so depressed. I wanted that. No, Jen said she was alive. She just felt the passion in her heart and life. She was just, you know, sometimes people feel the hair standing on end. It's just, this is the way to do it. You know, this is life. And Jesus says, come alive. Come alive through the path of generosity. I've heard a recurring theme as people tell me their story. They say, I used to be the most self-centered person. Every dime was about me. And I was miserable. And I was rotting inside. And then I found Christ and he forgave me of all my sin and invited me into another way. 
And little by little, my eyes are turning. And it's not about what I can keep. It's about what I can give. And I'm coming alive, entering into this higher way. And Jesus wants us all to enjoy that. The path of giving is the path of getting. You know, going back over here, it says, I want you to do good. I want you to be rich in good deeds. You know, most people think that the rich guy is the one who keeps. Jesus says the the rich guy is the one who gives. And true wealth, true life is found in a lifestyle of living to give. So, do you ever think about it? We at the Compass Church are blessed to stand on the shoulders of generations who have lived this way. You know, the the Hobson campus of the Compass Church uh, this fall will be 60 years old. I mean, that is a long time. Uh, This church for generations has been financially supported by generous Christians who caught the vision, who have lived the life. This campus, 60 years, Wheaton, the, the mother campus that started this church, is 65 years. They were the Wheaton Evangelical Free Church. Uh, Bolingbrook was 25 years ago. It's been faithfully living and serving Jesus. Now, those of you at, at 95th, you're the babies. Seven years, and yet what God has accomplished in seven years is unbelievable. I started thinking about it. Our church has decades of Christ followers, many who have come and are now gone, but they lived generously, and the ministry thrives as a result of their generosity. I'm like a newcomer here still. This May will be three years for me. I am so aware of how blessed I am to enjoy the wave that has been created through the generosity of those who have gone before. Uh, I did a little math. Do you know that people of the Compass Church have given away hundreds of millions of dollars over the lifespan of this church at all four campuses? Hundreds of millions of dollars given away. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And here's the question. What will this church be like going forward? Are the days of generosity in our past? Or will God, by his Spirit, Keep us rolling in that way. Will the, the decades ahead be marked by that same generosity in me, in us, resulting in fully funded ministry and evangelistic impact, discipleship uh, impact, raising up of Christians on fire for Jesus at a level the church has never seen before? That is my prayer, and I'm guessing it's yours as well. May we always be a generous people, as Jesus is generous to us. Hey, I want to end with a moment of commitment, all right? And this is commitment for all four weeks of this series. It's a commitment opportunity that reflects what God's been doing in our hearts through this series. And so can I ask the ushers to come forward? They're going to pass out a little commitment card. This is for you to keep, all right? We're not going to see this. This is all between you and the Lord. Take this home. It says, dedicating my hustle. 
This topic of money is one that's a big deal in our society and in our lives. And God has been at work in me and maybe in you through this series. This card provides you an opportunity between you and God to sign your name, to say, Lord Jesus, I'm in. The card has four commitments, a commitment aligned with each week of this series. You can take a look. It says, I commit to, the first week one was all about contentment. I, I, it says, I will seek to be grateful and satisfied with God's provisions, but more importantly, with God's friendship. You know, if, if you say, that, that's me. That's what I want to do. I'm sick of being discontented. I want to learn to be content with what God has provided. Week two was all about integrity. I commit to integrity. I will honor God by doing my job without compromising legally or morally. Week three was all about humility. I will recognize that God's grace is the only explanation for any career success that I enjoy. He deserves the praise. Week four, generosity. I will obey God by sacrificially giving to his cause at the local church. Folks, here's what you can do. We're going to have a moment in this next song where you can grab a pen in the seat back in front of you, out of your purse, whatever. And if and only if you mean it, sign your name. The Lord sees. Say, Lord, I'm grabbing this opportunity to dedicate my hustle, this matter of money, I'm dedicating it to you. I'm committed. Now, some of you are like, I ain't committed to like number two. Okay, cross off number two. Put a big X through it or whatever one it may. Maybe you cross off three of them. You'll say, I'll sign it, but only one. Wherever you're at, I respect your honesty. But take this moment. And if all four, you say, Lord, all four, I'm in. I'm doing it your way. All right? I'm going to pray, and then during the next song, you can sign this. Maybe you put it in your Bible. Maybe you put it on a mirror in your bathroom, somewhere to remember this commitment, and I hope it serves you well. So let's pray. Lord, we just got to say this money thing, wow, it's tricky, it's hard. We live in a materialistic society that is just constantly pushing us to obsess in a way that does not reflect your plan. And so God, help us. We commit, so many of us commit and desire to do it your way. Inspire us, empower us by your spirit, enable us to live your vision concerning money. And particularly with generosity, God, so many of us are moving in that direction. And God, I pray that this moment would be a significant, life-defining moment for many who would say, I have been disregarding your commands and uninterested in your cause, and it's evidenced by my lack of generosity. Well, no more. God, inspire us to follow you and bless your people as they do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.